with ultras, that's the thing is you just have to know how to keep going. And so um, there's the physical, but so much of it is mental of your mind just screaming at you. Diz Runs Radio episode 1100 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. Uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is sponsored by the Diz Runners, the uh, group of athletes that I coach. If uh, you're looking ahead at your future running, maybe you're looking ahead at 2023, maybe you're listening to this in 2024 and you're looking ahead to 2025 already. I don't know where you are when you're listening to this, but if you're thinking about maybe investing in your running in form of getting a coach, which, you know, to be clear, something I've never been shy about, a coach is a, is a luxury. It's a want, not a need. But if you think it might be something that would help you, and if you've been listening to me flap my yap long enough to be like, you know what, that clown, I think he might be a good fit for me. We've got some options available. We've got three different levels of coaching based on kind of what you think might be best for you. And also, of course, what would fit in the budget. Um, but if you're if you're in the market and you want to find out more about the options I have from the coterie to the one-to-one to the concierge level of coaching... Check out disruns.com slash coaching. That's that's the page on the website with some general information, hitting the high notes as far as what is included at each level. Of course, we got the cost right there. I'm not one of those clowns that likes to bury the cost and make you, you know, jump through hoops to figure out if it's something that would fit your budget or not, because like let's just be upfront about things, right? Um, but uh, check it out, disruns.com slash coaching. If one of the levels or maybe two, you're like, I don't know which one is which, you can look at the individual page for each level and you can kind of you know, really get into the brass tacks, get into the weeds a little bit, find out which one you think might be right. And of course, if you want, you can always just ask me as well. And please don't worry. I'm not going to be like, oh, this one's more expensive. This is the right one for you. No, 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 no. I'll answer your questions. I've talked people out of working with me before, not because I don't think they'd be a good fit, but because I don't know that they needed it. Right. And uh, I like to try to be honest. I like to try to give you the the information that uh, you're asking for. And quite frankly, just allow you to make the decision. You're an adult. You can make the decision. You don't need me to, to try to you know swindle you like that. That ain't that ain't my jam. So check it out. Dizruns.com/slash/coaching. If you're so inclined, maybe uh, you know a little gift to yourself this holiday season. Maybe a gift to to a loved one this holiday season. Uh, maybe just something that you're like, hey, yeah, I'm I'm ready to not worry about putting the plans together and doing all that kind of nonsense. I just want to show up and be told what to do. I'll tell you what to do. It's a big part of the job. Not the only part, but a big part. Anyway, disruns.com slash coaching for all of the details about the coaching services I provide. Any questions, let me know. And now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, y'all. Today's guest is a lady that's back for her third time on the show, which um, I think somehow officially makes her a glutton for punishment or, you know, something something along those lines. Uh, But looking forward to, to catching up with her again. Um, her most recent book focuses on combining movement and meditation, 
which uh, certainly can include, though it doesn't have to always include your running, but certainly for us as runners, that's, that's an area that I'm sure we'll be talking about today. And uh, she's also had some, some pretty good running adventures. At least I think pretty good running adventures, and I feel like I've had a peek behind the curtain a little bit. So uh, we got some, some running stuff to talk about, some new book writing to talk about, a whole host of things uh, with today's guest returning again for the third time, Ms. Nita Sweeney. So Nita, thanks for joining us again. Welcome back. Uh, glad, to, glad to catch up again today. Good morning, Denny. I'm really excited to be here. It's uh, it's always fun to chat with you, and I love talking about running and writing and yeah, all that stuff. All the things. Yeah. So hopefully, that means, yeah, great. Hopefully, we're setting up for uh, you know not too difficult of a conversation to talk about some running, talk about some writing, mindset, meditation, all the things. Um, and uh, if if y'all if you enjoy today's conversation. Uh, check out Nita's website for all of her her other books, which I'm sure we'll we'll probably touch on a little bit as well today. She's uh, three 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 books out there right now. Yeah, two book books and a writing journal. There we go. There we go. And and there's a digital book that's available for free as well on the website. NitaSweeney.com is the website. N I T A S W E E N E Y. NitaSweeney.com is the website. And uh, easy to find on all the social medias, even TikTok, which makes her younger and hipper and cooler than me because I am still fighting the good fight to avoid TikTok. Uh, but she's on all the social medias at Nita Sweeney. You can find her wherever you prefer to scroll through and uh, waste your life away. For me, that's Twitter. And that's I always see Nita on Twitter as well. But she's, again, on all the places at Nita Sweeney. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 1100. I guess that makes us something of a milestone episode. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 1100 will get you back to the show notes for today. And uh, if you want to check out our original two conversations, episode 741 was round one, episode 912 was round two. Um, and so that's Dizruns.com slash 741, Dizruns.com slash 912 if you want to go back to the show notes and listen from there. Or just scroll on back through your feed. I think most most podcast apps allow up to about 500 episodes. So if you listen to this one well, relatively fresh uh, from release, you should probably be able to find 741 and 912 back in your feed. So there we go. There's all the, the housekeeping stuff, all the things to get us started with. Uh, but the official start of the podcast, Nita, you, you've been here before. You've done it before. We're going to do it again. You know, sometimes the answers change. Sometimes it's still the same. Um, but we'll just we'll just throw it out there and see what your response is to uh, to the question you've heard before. What is your favorite distance to race and why? Oh, my goodness. I love this question. I, you know, I'm going to go crazy and say that it's 50K. Ooh. I mean, that's crazy. I've only done it twice, but it was and it partly because it was the particular race that I do. And as an anxious runner, a race where you see the bathroom every five miles, the aid station every five miles, your tent every five miles. And I'm talking about Eagle Up in Canal Fulton, Ohio. Uh, So yeah, that's most recently, that's been my just favorite thing. Just be out there in the woods all day long. Uh, Lots of great people, amazing support, uh, crazy stupid fun <laughs> i was wondering if you might steer into the 50k for this this question and and uh, of course when i want to talk about that a little bit um because the last time we talked if if memory serves and if my dates are correct um was it was a little over a year and a half ago i think it was january 2021 um and at that point you hadn't run a, an ultra yet um again if, if if my if my memory is somewhat correct which has been questionable before but uh you know kind of what what was the the nudge to get you to test the the ultra waters? Because at that point you'd done done a few marathons, done a bunch of you know you'd been running for a while. But what what helped you or what encouraged you or what 
I don't know, forced you? Why did you decide to take the plunge into, into the ultra waters a couple years ago? I hang around with people who have stupid ideas of fun. That's, I mean, that's what runners it is. in general, right? Like, that's yeah, just exactly. No, um, my favorite phrase, which I may have said this before, is if you hang around in a barbershop long enough, eventually you're going to get a haircut. And so when you hang around with people who have audacious goals and you can identify with them on a regular day sitting over breakfast and they say, oh, yeah, we're going to go up to Canal Fulton and do this 50K, something that seems impossible suddenly becomes, you know, they're having scrambled eggs. I think I'll have scrambled eggs. <laughs> I mean, really, it's, it's almost that. And again, they um, reassured me about this particular race having so many, so, like the structure of it makes it feel accessible um, as opposed to an out and back or, you know, some giant loop where I'm 25 miles out into the wilderness at 12,000 feet. I mean, that's just not going to be me. Right. So so that's part of it. Um, and I, I, I kind of like being bored, if that makes any sense. I know what to do and maybe not like it, but I know what to do with boredom. And so it just, you know, seemed like a good idea. Now, there's an interesting backstory, though, because part of the reason I signed up was I was on a high from my initial book tour on my very first book, Depression Hates a Moving Target. I went on a crazy book tour all over the country, had so much fun, um, spent a ton of money. <laughs> you know, my husband went along. And so I signed up for Eagle Up at the end of 2019. And then 2020 happened mm -hmm. and the race didn't happen. And so we got a refund by we, I mean, my husband and I got a refund on the place we had booked to stay because we're we're not campers. I'm we're, you know, we're, we're in our third, third, third of our lives, so, <laughs> the last third probably of our lives. So, um, um. So we had so got kicking no, it in a tent is not exactly your cup yeah, of tea. No, no I agree. No, my, not my yeah. cup of tea either. Yeah. And I know people my age do it because it's that's the thing about the course is it runs right through the campsite. Mm. The course runs right. I'm literally you are you will run right past your tent. I mean, it's amazing. And um, six times. Um, so we had gotten a refund on our uh, Airbnb or wherever we were going to stay. And I kept getting, so in 2021, I kept getting the emails from the race. Mm. And, you know, February goes by, March goes by, April. The race is always the first Saturday in June. And about the third week of April, it dawned on me that I wasn't getting the promotional emails. I was getting the participant emails. <laughs> and so I looked it up. And they had deferred my registration. And I knew that a year before, but with everything that was going on, I had completely forgotten. And so, uh, in fact, I think I contacted you, Denny, and said, oops, I got about six weeks to train for my first ultra help. And I, at that time, I think I was training for a half. <laughs> so so uh, we cranked up some double double weekends, and Denny really helped me out. But, uh, but yeah, it was um, – um, Expected and yet unexpected. I mean, I'm really, I, I'm not sure if I hadn't been so high from book tour if I would have signed up right then. But yeah, and then once I did it, I was, I just loved it. And then, of course, the, of course, the, I think, I think the next day I said, oh, I'll never do this again. And then about by two days later, I was like, where's the registration right, for the next yeah, year? Sign up so. for next year. Yeah, exactly. Um, for those that aren't familiar with with Eagle Up, um, 
you know, kind of, kind of the, the gist I'm getting from from you, and of course from knowing a little bit, working with you, kind of knowing some of the, the background of it. But um, sounds like it's a pretty beginner friendly race for an ultra. Good, a good kind of first dip your toes into 50k, or even if you wanted to go a little bit, like if you're trying to do your first 50 miler, maybe it'd be a good option for that as well. And you said the setup really kind of works well for you. Kind of hinted that it's a looped course, which I think can be can be a blessing and a curse. But yeah, always never that far from your tent, never that far from the aid stations, bathrooms, things like that. Um, but tell us a little bit more about this, the specifics of the race and maybe why it worked so well and why it has worked twice now so well for you. Well, it's flat, so and it's at sea level, or maybe a little bit above sea level. It's along the Ohio uh, Erie Can- uh, the Erie Canal, um, and so it's <clears throat> a five-mile loop, and they have um, the loop goes through the campground, so they have a giant aid station at the campground. And then they have two smaller aid stations out on the course, so um, including a bathroom at two and a half miles. I mean, so I'm an, an older runner, and I do have bathroom issues, which a lot of runners do, but I do. And so just that, even though I don't often have to use them, um, because my anxiety can be so high, knowing that I can stop, knowing that if something happens, there's going to be somebody there. And they have... Um, so half of it is on the canal trail, and the other half is on another trail. I can't remember the name of it, but it's um, it's just like right, you know, just a, a, a long oval. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know, they're just so friendly, too. People there are so, uh, and it's it's kind of, you know, trail community. Not that runners aren't friendly in general, but you don't have the, uh, nobody's trying to make Boston, you know, you don't have anybody that's get the heck out of my road because I'm um, now you do have a relay, though. So the distances they have are I don't know all the distances for the relay, but they have a relay. And then the 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 solo distances are 50 K, 50 mile, 100 K, 100 mile and 24 hour. Mm. So you have the full range and uh, they're there from and you have 24 hours to do it. That was the other piece because at my because I've been um, um, you know have my share of little things that go on. I'm a, I'm sl- always been a slow runner, but I'm not going to make a a lot of the marathon cutoffs anymore. I just it's just going to be or if I do, it's going to be so emotionally painful the whole race being afraid that I'm going to get right. swept after a whole season of training, and it's just not worth it anymore. I mean uh, I. I may, I still, I do hope to do uh, a few foals again in the future, but there'll be foals with really, really generous cutoffs, just because I don't need to do that to myself anymore. Um, There was a time when that was important, and that's not now. So the fact that it has 24 hours, I mean, literally, Denny, people stop and take naps. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) they just do. They, uh, you know, you'll see people in their tents, and um, it's just a very relaxed atmosphere. Now, that the, the, relay i didn't know there was a relay the first time i did it and so i'm <clears throat> excuse me i'm in i don't know maybe my second mile or third mile of that first loop because it's a five mile loop and these people start blowing by me and i'm thinking oh my god are they doing 50k at that pace and finally i asked somebody and they said no no, no that there's a relay and so they're doing each of them do like two loops or something like that. And they were actually the first year that I ran it, there was a group that was actually going for a record. And I think they, um, they got, I, you know, wish I knew all the stats right. on that, but they actually made it. So, so yeah. And it's in the woods, it's in, um, 
June in Ohio, which can be very humid. It depends. It can be like the first year I did it, it was horrible, hot and humid and people were dropping like crazy um, from, you know, dropping distances, not right. dropping, dropping distances from, you know, people doing the hundred milers or now doing the hundred K things like that. Um, but last year it was lovely. It was just beautiful weather. And um, a lot of people set PRs and I set a PR by a lot. Uh, some things like once you've done the race, then you think, oh, wait, I could do that differently. And uh, so that was very helpful to not have to stop as often and yeah. uh, know what I could endure too. And um, yeah, I just, it definitely, it's just a beautiful, oh, and there are cows. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I, a friend of mine did her first 50 miler and at 2 a.m. she's out there with her headlamp, headlamp and one of the cows had gotten loose. Luckily they're dairy cows so they're, and they're, there weren't any bulls. They're just cows. So female Female they're still, they're still big, and you don't want yeah, to. Yeah, oh my God, there he's. Yeah, she's like, she looks up, and there's Bessie right oh, there in God. the middle of the trail. I was like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> she just sort of gently walked around it and kept going, and you know, later the next loop, Bessie was gone. But <laughs> yep, there was there was a trail back in in Florida that was by Addison's school. I used to run once in a while, and um, there was a little section that went through a, a cow grazing pasture, and you know, not, not that the cows were out every time. But there were times that there'd be, you know, I don't know what the, I mean, I didn't stop to count, but 50, like not just one or two cows, like, like a herd out there. And it was just like, Hey, y'all, I'm, I don't mean any harm. Like I'm just kind of passing through. And, and I mean, they all look at you and a couple of times, a couple of them looked like they might've been a little bit grumpy. Um, but it was just like, man, it, I like, where's the fence? Like wh wh where's, what's the closest fence that I need to get to if I need to get there? Um, but yeah, you don't realize how big a pedestrian cow is until you kind of right up there next to one. And, and that's, that's a big creature that you don't want to be angry and coming at you with, with malintent. Yeah. There, we raised cattle um, mm. when I was growing up, so I'm pretty familiar, but you know, we didn't go in the pen right. most of the time unless you needed to do something with them. <clears throat> um, but they were, you could pet them and mm -hmm. we raised them from babies. So we, okay. a lot of them, uh, they were very tame and most cattle are, well, actually, it, dairy cows are handled every day because they have to be milked. milked right. So, um, so they're used to people touching them. They're used to being around people. Whereas beef cattle, which is what we raised, they're not because um, you just leave them in the, you know, it's anyway, graze, yeah. Their thing. Yeah. Yeah. They graze and you feed them and fatten them up. And it's kind of sad now, I think, <laughs> but, um, um, but uh, um, so it wasn't, and she knew that they were dairy cattle, so she she knew enough. She's a farm girl too, so or well, I don't know if she is, but anyway, yeah. So we knew they weren't totally dangerous, and and they're not usually loose, but it right. was it was definitely made for. She did take a picture, and mm -hmm. so she got you know a picture of Bessie, not with Bessie, not a selfie. Right, right. <laughs> I, I feel but like yeah, you're right. <laughs> with, with our with the ones that I would go through, and and who knew, you know, as always, you know, there's always not always, occasionally there's a random divergent on here about let's talk let's talk the difference between dairy cattle and, and beef cattle. But like, um, it was always the, the times it was sketchy was when there were babies around. Like that was when, I mean, they weren't like baby, baby, but they were definitely still calf babies. And it was just like, that's, that's when there is some more side eye from the cows, as opposed to just not caring about this random guy running by. And it's just like, Hey y'all, I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't even, like I just walk nice and slow, just kind of passing through. Don't, don't mind me. Um, but yeah, yeah. Always, oh, that's, and that's one of the fun aspects of trail running i guess to get back to running a little bit like you never know even if it's a trail you've run a dozen times like that the cows got loose or that whatever critters are out there or some type of storm wipes something out or whatever like it's always always an adventure out there on the trails 
Yeah, the geese. We have Canadian geese here, which I'm not sure. Do you have those? You have um, those in Florida? You probably have them in Georgia. We have when they're passing through sometimes. They, yeah, they right, right. We had, we had boys, swans in Florida, and they were just oh, as grumpy as the, the oh, freaking yeah. geese. Yeah, that, but like you said, with any animal, when it's got, when it's the season, either um, when they're breeding, so like deer, rutting season, or the geese, when they have the babies, oh my gosh, give them 10 feet, give them, yeah, give them 10 feet, because they're just grumpy. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. But the, our trails, we our, the, tra- the trails I run on are very suburban, but if we get a good rain, you know, people will be hopping on Facebook, hey, what's the condition of the trail? Because... I don't know, you know, a mile of it'll be underwater. And right. <laughs> so right. you have to check these things. And it's a, it's, it also keeps it interesting, too. Not that I want to be chased by geese, but it, it just sort of keeps it um, just, just enough unpredictable to add a little spice. Well, and, and foreshadowing a little bit, maybe that helps you stay more present and in the moment because you got to be paying attention to what's going on. You can't completely just zone out like sometimes you can if you're running, you know, like a paved trail or just, you know, quiet roads or things like that. But um, let's see here. Another thing that you did was a little bit of a and you did this one kind of in, tra- in training ish leading up to the uh, the second ultra that you did earlier this year, a little uh Mainly marathon, mainly half marathon, but that's all right. It's the mainly marathon series, multiple multiple states, multiple races, uh, consecutive days. I think you did four four days, knocked off four states. Um, what was was that the first time that you had done a, a mainly kind of you know four days back to back to back to back type of of event? Yes, I had done a mainly marathon, but I had done a Wednesday in Massachusetts and Saturday in New York. Okay. And both of the times I've done mainly marathon, they were combined with uh, touring. So my husband had a bucket list uh, goal of hitting all the presidential libraries. And that's a, that's a first, tricky goal because every every four or eight years, there's like another one that pops up. Yeah, so. well, and he'll he'll have he's going to have <laughs> um, I think he'll have another one soon. But he he was able to on this trip, he actually was able to get his book. You get you have the, this book that's like a passport, and you get them all checked off, and then they give you a paperweight when you have them all. So now we'll get. We'll have another one added, but anyway, um, yeah. So previously we did the um, JFK. We flew into Boston, did the JFK Library, and then did a bunch of other stuff, and then the Roosevelt Library. So we drove uh, through Massachusetts, and on Wednesday hit um, a uh, the Massachusetts Mailing Marathon half, and because my goal's uh, half in each of the fifty states, because I like to, I like to, when I'm touring, I like to still be able to walk the next day. And, yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's, a, that's a valid yeah. consideration, I think. <laughs> yeah. So um, um, after a half, I, you know, I'm pretty good. And um, um, so we did, like I said, we did Massachusetts and New York, and we did the Roosevelt area. So this time, uh, the only two we had left were Eisenhower and Truman. Okay. So that's Kansas and Missouri. So when we planned it, I thought I'd check the um, Manly Marathon series and hit one or maybe both of them. Well, the way it turned out, the libraries weren't open. I, let's see if I can remember it. It, it tur- I didn't mean to do all four originally, but because of when the libraries were open and when the races were being run, I ended up having two days in between. So instead of just going to Kansas and Missouri, we also went to, I think it was Iowa and um, what was the other one? Nebraska. The, yeah, Nebraska. That's it. Yeah, those are the four I did, right? Because there was they also did South Dakota and North Dakota mm. um, on that series. And um, 
I feel like that's Kansas. A, say, that's, that's, no, a, I did that's like a big one. That's yeah. like a seven or eight day series. That, yes, that eight days. One. It's yeah. an eight day series. Yeah. And there was one state that they did that I already had. I can't remember which gotcha. one that was. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So we drove to um, anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm going to give you all the details. But, yeah, we, we ended up driving, you know, halfway. We did. I think it was 2,700 miles by the time we were done. My husband had just gotten a new hybrid. Oh. And so we were, we were all like, oh, yeah, 50 miles to a gallon. It was great. There you go. <laughs> We're waving at, you know, gas stations. But yeah, so I did um, I did four states, four halves and four states in four days. And it turned out to be fabulous training mm-hmm. for the 50K because you have the, for the Eagle Up, you have the 24 hours. So I know four days isn't 24 hours, but it's that same thing of your legs are really tired and you have to keep going. And one of the things you said to me that I've, I took as a huge compliment and I really feel is true about me is you, when I, when I would, you know, cause I emailed you and I said, okay, Danny, I'm really nervous about this. Cause I hadn't trained as much as I had the first year because the, I had book stuff. I had all kinds of stuff going on. Um, and uh, this is the, the most recent one in 22. And you said, you know how to keep going. You, and that's with ultras. That's the thing is yeah. you just have to know how to keep going. And so um, there's the physical, but so much of it is mental of your mind just screaming at you. And that's for me, segue is where the meditation mm-hmm. practice, being able to work with the mind really, really helps. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And let's, let's get into it a little bit more. The, the new book, Make Every Move a Meditation, available um, wherever books are sold, both in person, real bookstores, those, those still exist. Um, and also the, all the online retailers as well. So, so grab yourself a copy, um, especially for those. And, and this is kind of, I think, where we're, we're going with it. We'll see. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've not been shy about saying that, you know, sometimes there is a, a, the, the mental component the, 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 for me on race day for some of the longer races can be a struggle. And it's something that I've, I've, gotten, I've gotten a bit, I don't want to say better. I've gotten stronger, I think, um, you know, maybe more confident, maybe just experience has kind of helped me to not be as, as um, quick to give up, maybe mentally. I think that was mostly where my problem was, is you know, we get hard and then it was just like, oh, well, forget it. I'm, I'm done. And now I kind of am better able to grind through. Um, but certainly always still looking for, for ways, tactics, um, things to, to help be stronger mentally. Um, and, and, you know, like you kind of said, you know, being, knowing how to keep going is, is as much sometimes mental as it is physical. Um, and, and meditation isn't new from you, new for you. I mean, we've talked about this before in the previous times that you've been on the show, but, um, how has, has some of the, the mindfulness, the meditative work that, that you've done over many, many years in the practice that, that you have, um, how have you kind of seen that play out, whether it's in mainly, whether it's at Eagle up, whether it's just kind of in, in some of your daily runs, uh, maybe we'll start there and kind of just kind of narrow it down and, and hone in as we go. Yeah. Well, at Eagle up. I knew that boredom was going to be a factor and I, you know, I would say I like to be bored, but that's not true. I just find it to be a challenge that I know how to work with. Mm-hmm. And so with boredom, it's just choosing an object of meditation. So it might be all the different shades of green I'm seeing because we're in the woods. It might be um, sounds like different people's footfalls. If I'm listening to that, or there were bullfrogs, there were different things. So just, just listening, letting the sound just come in. Sometimes cows moving, letting all those sounds just come in. And then my mind would wander. Um, I might be feeling a, a ache or a pain or tiredness or something. And I could gently bring my mind back to the sounds. 
But eventually what happens, especially in ultra, is that you can't distract yourself from the pain with the object of meditation. And so the pain becomes the object of meditation because I, I, I actually recently did a talk on uh, race anxiety or, you know, race day um, anxiety, especially. And, and a lot of the, um, I don't know, the tools that were taught are essentially distraction. And that's not a bad thing. They are things like trust your training. Mm-hmm. So when your mind has negative thoughts or the anxiety pops up, remind yourself, trust your training. I did all this work, things like that. Or, um, you know. Uh, listen to music, listen to your favorite song, um, uh, even chanting, uh, which is can be a meditative practice, is still like kind of a distraction if you've got pain. But at some point, you can't distract yourself. And so so those are all what I call the turn away techniques, where you turn away with which, what's going on in your body. And with the meditative practice that I'm suggesting in the book, it's turn toward. And so the actual physical body sensations and the actual thoughts, things for me are like, you're going to die out here. I don't care if there's people a mile from you or that there's somebody right behind you. You're going to die and they're never going to find you because that's just the way my mind works, you know. And so noticing that arise. And then if I don't, if I don't like give it any attention, it just passes away. And so with the pain, um, especially my I have one foot that because um, I have a congenital defect in it but also for some reason that day my toe this one toe was just killing me by the fifth loop and the the thing to do was to just become that pain to absolutely let it just take over me keep moving keep moving but stop fighting it and get curious about it what what what's this pain actually feel like and when I could do that it didn't scare me as much because a lot of times we're we're really afraid of pain we don't want to say that but that's really what it is the pain is scary it hurts yes but it's also scary and we make up a story about it um and for me mine's always got you know this toe this aching toe it's i'm gonna die for sure you know or lose the toe i mean it's just it's never good it's mine i always go all the way to the end and so instead of listening to the story i can be with what the pain actually is and if I can, if I can actually experience the pure sensation, it is bearable. It's, it may be bad. It may be unpleasant, extremely unpleasant, but it's bearable. And, and so I continue and then, you know, it'll shift and change and you get really curious about it. And it sounds meditation geeky and I'm a meditation geek, but that's what, um, that's what keeps me able to keep going is that ability and also when i start knowing okay at some point this is going to get bad but i know what to do having had that experience so it's sort of a it's an in the moment thing but it's also a bigger thing where i i have faced things that are um very unpleasant and i know what to do so that's that's kind of how you do it so you choose an object of meditation and sometimes that's something really pleasant right. in the spring i love in our neighborhood we have tons of lilac bushes and so if i'm in an area where there's lilac bushes that's my object of meditation i just let all that beautiful scent come in and then as i pass those shrubs and there's no scent just notice like the absence of lilac and then again when it arises again and that like that impermanence of it coming and going and coming and going and coming and going and it's almost like a little uh, scent massage the way it comes and goes and comes and goes 
So, uh, so that's another one. And then I love green. I mentioned the green and, um, uh, where I live, it's very green. I live in central Ohio also. And, um, um, so noticing like every shade of green and just letting that be the object. And then, you know, next thing I know, I'm thinking about, oh yeah, tomorrow I'm going to be on Denny's podcast. And then I go, oh wait, I remember. Oh, that's right. You were meditating and don't berate myself, but very gently bring my mind back. Cause that gentleness is part of it too. Being able to be gentle with yourself, um, especially for new people. Cause we're learning a new skill. The mind is like a muscle that has to be trained. So um, that gentleness is important. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a good point in my, in my attempts over the years to kind of get into various, you know, meditative mindfulness type of routines, some, some sedentary, some moving. Um, but it's, it's important to remember and maybe even important to stress that like, it's not, you know, it's not easy and it's not something that, that I don't know that it ever gets, gets truly easy, but like, like our minds, like it, it's not failure in any, in any, way, shape or form, as I understand it, to, to have your mind wander to your, your fo- whether you're focused on your breath, colors, sense, wh- whatever, um, you know, pretty soon you're, you're thinking about work or you're thinking about the grocery shopping or the haircut or all the different things that, that are in life. Um, and it can feel like that means that somehow you failed or somehow like you're, you're not able, not capable of, of meditating. And, and again, as I understand it, that couldn't be farther than from the truth. Is that Accurate? Am I am I mistaken? Absolutely. No, absolutely. In fact, I just I just uh, loaded a new freebie on my website called Meditation Myths. It's just a little infographic, so people can um, can uh, nab that if they want to. It's like in the banner, because the number one meditation myth is people think they can't meditate because their mind wanders. Oh, my mind is so busy. Well, good. You're alive. Minds are supposed to think thoughts. That's what they do. That's the mind's job is to generate thoughts. And so um, I'm, I'm joking about that. But but uh, part of the problem is that people uh, sometimes thoughts, not that they're scary, but they, it can be uncomfortable because you're trying to do a thing and the thoughts come up. And so then, you know, you judge yourself and feel like a failure. So that's where the discomfort is. It's in the judgment. Mm-hmm. It's not in the activity because my mind wanders and I've been meditating for 30 years. That just happens. Now there are days now where it doesn't and I'm much better because I built that muscle of calm and concentration to be able to very gently, calmly bring my mind back. But it's training. It just takes training. So yeah. Um, I mean, I think if, if you take, let's say, a, let's say you set a timer for 10 minutes and you say, okay, I'm going to try to focus on my breath for 10 minutes. Let's just use the, that's kind of a very traditional example. If you spend two minutes actually paying attention to your breath, give yourself a friggin' gold star. That's (laughs) giant because the mind it's, I mean, and especially something new like that, our minds are, our minds look for danger. I mean, mine does, but I think everybody does. I mean, that's sort of evolutionary. And so it's thinking, what, what, what are you doing here? What, what's going on here? And especially if you close your eyes, then it thinks, oh, it's time to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's the, all that <laughs> happens too. So, um, um, so yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's the, that's probably the number one myth about meditation is that you, and also that you have to calm your mind. That's not true either. You actually can't. Right. What you can do is you create conditions that allow the mind, the thoughts, thinking to naturally slow. But you just give it, you give it like a container. And some days it's going to be chatty. 
in there, you know, your mind's going to be all aglow and busy, busy. And other days, it's going to go, oh, okay, I'm just going to chill here. We're good. It that's it just depends. So. Yeah. And and I think and, and again, Nita, correct me where I'm wrong or if, if this doesn't make sense or isn't, isn't as true in, in actual world as, as it is in my head. But, you know, just just to put it into running terms, since we're all runners around here, maybe it makes sense as well. Like, you know, maybe you can't remember the first day that you went running, but you probably didn't go for a, a, an easy 20 miler on, on day one. Uh, <laughs> and also, you know, like so. So there you go. Like you're starting to meditating and it's difficult. Well, yeah, running was difficult when we started, too. And also, no matter how long you've been running, some days, yeah, not so much. But some days, it, some days it's real easy. Some days it's, it's, it's cruising, no, no factor. Some days it's, it's a struggle to get started. Some days it's a struggle to get going. Some days you just kind of say the hell with it and wrap it up early. Um, none of that makes you less of a runner. None of that makes you a failure as a runner. Um, so if, if, a lot of those, if there's a lot of overlap there with, with getting into a, a meditative practice or a mindfulness practice, those rough days don't make you a failure. They don't make you less of, of a person who meditates. It's just like, that's just part of any process of learning a new skill or developing new habits. Absolutely. The, the phrase that comes to mind, um, my meditation teacher, whose name is Shinzen Young, he's one of several teachers I've stayed with. And he says, the best meditation is the one you just did. Mm. That's your, it, just do it, you know. Right. And also the best type of meditation is the one you will do. Right. So, but yeah, that's exactly true. I mean, and uh, I, that's why I, I say it's like a muscle because you wouldn't expect yourself to go run an easy 20 miler. Right. I mean, well, actually some people might, but um, that was my mistake when I was much, much younger was thinking that running fast should be easy. Mm -hmm. Now I saw these other people running, basically sprinting. That's what I thought running was, was sprinting. And now I know the difference. And now, you know, I mean, I can go out for long distances and it doesn't, I mean, I, I joke that, oh yeah, we're just doing, we're only doing five today or we're only doing seven today. And I think about that. And I remember the day when I ran two and thought, oh my gosh, I ran two whole right. miles. You know, right. you just, yeah, keep it per perspective is important. Absolutely. But there's just so many myths. So thanks for bringing up the myths because they're, that's, uh, that's part of my job right now is to just let people know that, that meditation is accessible. It's adaptable. It's um, so much like running where you can do it so many ways. There's not a wrong, there's really not a wrong way to do it except not doing it. Well, or if you, you know, with running, you can get, do stupid things and get injured <laughs> physically. But um, uh, so it's a little different. A little and, different. But, but with, yeah, but uh, with movement meditation, I have a section called safety first. Also, please don't be, you know, running in the street while you're trying to focus on, um, Closing your eyes. eyes I don't know what yeah, it would be. I'm not, not even be, sure what you mean. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Wise. You're running with your eyes open and um, preferably someplace safe. Well, you, you mentioned there um, so many different ways to to meditate and and to to work on a mindfulness practice. And obviously, you know, like like as as runners, we we tend to talk about running, and and maybe for some of us, like that is the perfect time to do it. Especially, I don't know. I mean, if you're running solo, I, I feel like. And maybe maybe I'm wrong here. So maybe maybe this is the first question. Then maybe we'll look at some other other ways to incorporate mindfulness movements into into the daily life and daily routine. But if if you are a social runner, um, I, I from where I sit, it kind of feels like it'd be hard to um, really incorporate the mindfulness when running with others because there's conversation, there's things like that going on. Um, but maybe not. I mean, it, it, is it something that you can really kind of do in a group setting, or is it just by yourself? Um, or is it something that's, that's kind of best for a solo endeavor for a, a solo run? Well, I think when you first get started, <clears throat> it might be better to do um, 
the movement meditation on a solo run because you're trying to build focus mm -hmm. and um, and when you're in conversation, it's a little difficult, but you can do it with, I mean, I run every Saturday with a very large group of people and sometimes I end up falling back just because I tend to like to be alone and I'm not a big conversationalist. But even if there's a conversation, I mean, actually, the, the first scene in the book is um, um, cause there, there are lulls in the conversation. <clears throat> and so when you have that lull, before you start the run, think anytime there's a lull in conversation, I'm just going to notice the sensations in my left foot. Hmm. Just when there's a lull, I'm just going to bring my attention to my left foot. And then that's it. And then as soon as the conversation starts, because part of what you do with meditation is you choose an interval. That could be a period of time, or that could be a thing like a lull in a conversation. And, or it could be if you're doing a different sport, um, let's say you're playing basketball, it's any time you're under the basket, or it's any time that you don't have the ball, which could right. be a lot of the time. You know, I mean, it just depends on what you're, um, uh, but you can choose. Uh, with the racket sport, it may be noticing the um, handle of the, you know, the grip of the racket or the paddle or whatever you're using in your hand and only doing that right before it's your turn to serve something like that you know you you choose and so um uh, but again the focus you have to develop a little bit of focus first and you can do that that way but it's probably a little bit easier to do it alone because you're not you don't have the other distractions um especially if you're not used to having that focus. I think runners actually have a lot more focus than they realize maybe. I mean, some of them know it. And pro runners or runners who are at the higher ends or even actually that's not even true. Anybody who's anybody who's like trying to PR, you have to focus on either um, maintaining your exertion level or sometimes your form um, where you at on the course, uh, whether you're taking your nutrition, that's all focus. And so you're actually probably already doing it more than you think, because it's not um, it's not some woo woo thing of getting someplace else. It's about being right here, right. being right where you're at. And uh, my, my one of my favorite stories that's in the book is a friend of mine who's an um, an Olympic weightlifter. She's um, that style of weightlifting. Mm -hmm. And I were talking about this and she said, oh, yeah, when I swim, it's very meditative. And she was thinking about the repetitive, which is true. Mm -hmm. But I said, well, that's true. But what about when you've got that bar above your head? Tell me that you are not totally present in that moment, because yeah. if you're not, that thing's going to fall in your head. Mm -hmm. And she and she, it was like the light went on. Oh, because it's about being right where you're at. Right. Right. And and, you know, I, I, I can't help my mind, but thinking of, of running examples of like, you know, as, as a coach where I'll tell somebody, you know, um, when you're getting towards the end of a race and, and hopefully we've paced it well, you know, for the first, whatever, we're talking a half marathon, we've paced that first eight, nine miles pretty well. That's when you start to check in on your body. Like, how am I, how am I really feeling to know how aggressive we can push towards the finish? And that's all about just like being mindful, even if I'm not phrasing it or we're not viewing it necessarily in a mindfulness practice, but I have to feel like, if you can start to incorporate that just as little bits of mindfulness here and there during runs, during everyday life, it's got to make it quote unquote easier to dial in or maybe, maybe easier to get an accurate picture of how your body's feeling the sensations, things like that. When it is race day, when you are ready to like, let's turn it on and go. 
the, the better that feedback loop is, I would imagine, at least from a running perspective, like the more likely you are to, to really lock in and be able to push to the finish line. Yes, that I like the feedback loop because that's exactly what's going on is you're taking an inventory of your body and sometimes your thoughts too and saying, where are we? Where are we? And, you know, is it time to find, can I find another gear or can I, do I need to crank it back or all that kind of stuff. And part of what I did with the book was I read a ton of performance books Mm. by coaches who, um, including yours, um, (laughs) you know, um, but, but I read and they all had, even if they didn't use the word mindfulness or meditation, they all had that sense of focus, awareness, and calm, Mm. because that's the other piece that, um, People don't think of when, well, they, they think of getting calm, but that's actually a mind state that can be developed. We call it equanimity, but it's just a, it's a curiosity and calmness. And so when you're at mile eight, mile nine of that half marathon, that's exactly what you want to do. You want to tune in and then you want to relax and not stop you because you can, you can, you can be exerting very, very strongly and be totally relaxed. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a thing people don't think. They think they have to tighten up and they have to grip harder and they have to, but actually the opposite is true because you're only using exactly the amount of effort needed for whatever activity you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of times that, that if you're able to be focused, locked in, but still relaxed, like that's better than when you're just all clamped up and, and stressed and, and you know gripping your hands super tight or whatever, like, like that doesn't, tend to lead to optimal performance. You're much less likely to get injured if you're relaxed. Even if you're at full exertion, right. um, your your performance is usually better. Be, again, because you're only using, you have extra energy because you're not using the energy that it takes to grip and force. Right, right. Um, you've mentioned a, a few times various cues that you've used, the color green, the lilacs, um, the, 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 the toe, you know, when you, when the toe is bubbled up, like there's, there's a thing. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, if, if how helpful it is, and I feel like it's gotta be helpful to have a couple of, or maybe a handful, I don't know, of predetermined cues of when to check in versus just what I would probably do and why I probably struggle so much is like, oh yeah, I'll check in a few times during my run and see how it goes. But then there's not that, that impetus or that reminder to check in here. Um, how, again, maybe I kind of answered my own question, but how, how valuable is it to have a handful of cues to, to trigger the, the, the reminder to check in and, and see where we're at, whether it's a run or whether it's just daily life as, as a mindfulness practice? I think it's important to know yourself. So if you're a person who is highly focused, highly motivated, um, kind of a very disciplined person, those cues are going to be natural for you. You're going to go, oh, every mile, I can do this. But if you're more like me and you kind of um, like to go with the flow and adapt to things, and I think Denny's a little more like that too, um, maybe put a make your watch so that it beeps on the mile. Or, um, you know, if you can do something like that so that you have a um, um, a uh, set sound that uh, or vibrates on the mile, something like that, so that you go, oh, yeah, it's time for me to check in. They have these things called mindfulness bells. People use them all the time. And so you can do the same thing with kind of your Garmin use that way. But I always like to have people choose something before they start the activity. So if it's green, um, 
and I, <clears throat> um, I'm going to say, I'm just going to do this for the second mile. I'm going to get warmed up in the first mile, and then <clears throat> when I see that that you know my um, uh, Garmin gives me the the first mile, then I'm going to start my meditation practice, and I'm just going to do it for that time period because that way it feels like oh I don't have to do this forever, and then um, um, but yeah, having a cue, mine tends to be. Um, mine tends to be, um, my sensations. So like my left foot, that's, I just, it's just, um, let me back up a little bit. It's just because everybody's different. And so almost everybody has a thing. So it might be, oh, I always notice that my right arm is a little more stiff than my left arm. Or I always notice for me, it's, I just have more sensations in my left foot than my right foot. And it's because of this defect that is totally not dangerous but it you know is mine and um and everybody everybody has um something like that and so you have to find that for yourself or somebody else may say to you do you know that your left shoulder is lower than your right shoulder and so you know you might feel that in your body and so so i'm not sure that i can give you those cues uh, because they would just be artificial unless they're a time cue and then um or if you're um if you're let's say you always run a particular four mile route so ahead of time you know that at mile two there's this brown tudor house that you really like so and you almost always notice it right. so at mile two when you notice the brown tudor house that's when you decide all right i'm going to start doing the listening meditation for the next half mile mm -hmm. something like that so make it make it your own make it accessible and make it work for you don't you don't have to do somebody else's plan it needs to be what works for you. I hope that does that help. I think it, yeah, I think it does, and I think my yes question is may the have, answer to your question. Yes, yes was yes, the it answer. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, I think I think that that you answered or you're answering the question that I didn't quite ask correctly, um, and that I'm not saying that there's a one size fits all cue, but having cues for yourself will be helpful to trigger the mind to remember whether, whether it's I'm thinking for myself with, with all the complaining about all the hills I've, I've, I've done since moving to Georgia, but like just when you get to the top of a hill, so that's going to happen four or five yes, times during perfect. a run may not, perfect. wouldn't have applied to me in Florida, but it would apply to me in, in my neighborhood now. So something like that, that like, all right, I crest the hill. I'm at the top, check in, breathe. How do I feel? All right, keep going. Like something like that would be useful versus just I'll check in five times during my run, which probably won't. Yeah. Happen. And then you, and those five times are like the last five seconds. Right, yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a quarter of a mile from home. I better check in five times real quick or else and, I'm not going to. But Denny, if that's what you do, that's fine right. because it's more focus, more concentration, more calm than you would have had before. Right. So again, gentle, 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 gentle. We're, this is a new weird thing. It's actually not weird. We're actually doing it all the time anyway. We just don't realize that, but the awareness of it is a little unusual. And, and geeky. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned a couple of times, lots of good examples in the book and, and uh, definitely lots of things that have, have made me, I don't want to say rethink, but like more mindful of the fact that I can be mindful and I've tried it before and I've picked it up and dropped it and, and or let it go or whatever the, the right phraseology is there, but bring it back, be gentle, come back to it. Um, and, and lots of, of things to keep growing and, and hopefully continue to benefit from. Um, I know we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but, you know, and you've been meditating and, and, and working through your practice for, for 30 years. I think you said it's been, it's been a minute. Um, what are, what are, you know, and, and I know maybe this is the, the worst question that I've asked today, which, you know, 
whatever. It's a new new high or a new low, however you want to look at it, if, if it's, I'm asking my worst question. But, you know, what have been some of the impacts, broad impacts that you've noticed for yourself um, Maybe, maybe recently, maybe over the over the course of thirty years of of meditating for for I guess I guess where I'm asking this question for is for the skeptic, for the one that's like, yeah, you know, like I, I'm kind of doing it already, but like it's not like a, a, a something that I'm really focused on doing. Whatever, it's it's fine. Um, what are some of the impacts that you've seen that maybe would be something that might help tip somebody into like, you know what, maybe it is worth paying attention when I when I crest a hill or when I get to the Brown Tudor House or or whatever it might be that might spur them to to start taking a little more intentional effort at, at being mindful. Well, I, I kind of feel like this might be a little bit of a brag, but you know, I'm 61 and I'm running ultras and most of the 61s that I and one year olds that I don't know, that I know are not running ultras mm -hmm. and they, um, even if they're running. And so that ability to keep going, I, I don't know that that's necessarily my personality. I think that's from years of practice when um, my mind wanders, bringing it back and also sitting practice, because I do do sitting practice, too, of not moving when my nose itches, not moving when my leg falls asleep, not moving. Um, and not that you should have to do that, but but they kind of go together. And so with the with my running practice, I, I kind of talked about this before, but like when I did Eagle Up. When I signed up for Eagle Up, even though I was a little bit high from the book tour and all that kind of stuff, there was part of me that knew that I could do it if I trained because I know how to keep going. And that's that's long distance stamina, but that's also meditation because when I, you know, I hear people <clears throat> on the trail complaining about things and I complain, too, but I also know what to do when things are hurting and I'm not injured. They just hurt sometimes when my mind is going, this is the stupidest thing ever. You know, we should really take up dancing. I mean, you know, whatever. I know what to do. You just wait and let that thought pass and another one will come. Um, and so I guess that's probably the biggest one for runners is the ability to uh, um, uh, set new PRs, whether they're distance or speed. Again, I'll never be a fast runner, but I, I've, come in third in a race before it was a small race but i came in third because i knew how to outkick the fourth person you know <laughs> right. i found another gear right. because i i could re totally relax into my form and um and i you know have won my age group a number of times i just i just think that there's there's um i don't know if i'm if i'm totally answering the question but it feels like that who i am is not a natural runner mm -hmm. i'm not shaped like a natural runner i'm older i don't have um a real, um, you know, the fiery kind of thing that a lot of the um, the elites might have, but somehow I'm doing this thing, and uh, I I really attribute it a lot to not only the support from the community, people like you too, but um, but having that practice of when when it gets tough, I know what to do. Right, right, and and you know, there's so many of us that that run for so many different reasons, but I I feel like just about any reason that you might have, whether it's the social, whether it's it's health benefits, whether it's your own mental health benefits, which this really ties into that, whether it's the competitiveness of trying to push yourself, like you said, you know, out kicking the, the person to get on the on the podium, like having a mindfulness practice can can enhance, potentially improve 
whatever some of your reasons are for running. Um, and it might just, if I'm, if I'm reading between the lines and maybe trying to put a bow on this a little bit, might just help you outside of running as well. It might be, it might be helpful in life and everything in between as, as well. Yeah, I think I, I was going to actually talk about that, but I kind of brought it back to running, but my relationships, my ability to, um, tolerate situations that I would have avoided or run from situations that I need to be in. Cause you know, don't go where you don't need to be, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, um, my ability, my ability to navigate those kinds of things. Um, uh, just even, I mean, even having being on these podcasts now, I mean, I think that, um, the meditation practice has helped me, uh, figure out like what I want to do in life mm-hmm. because I'm not cluttered by everybody else's opinions all the time. I mean, they're still there, but, you know, um, I know, I mean, I've been married to the same guy for 30 years. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> that doesn't always happen. He's a good guy. But, um, but you know, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of benefits. Um, in the book, I talk about uh, physical benefits, emotional benefits, or mental benefits, and cognitive. And the, my favorite cognitive one is growing new brain cells. So there's that. That's that's never a bad thing um, is, is to to grow some new brain cells. And, and um, I don't know, I, that one, I don't want to say it hits close to home, but it kind of does. Family history of Alzheimer's disease on my dad's side of the family. So it's just like anything I'm always I'm all in on anything that might help save my brain 30, 40, 50 years from now. So um, maybe that's maybe that's that's the final nail, not the nail in the coffin. But that's the final, uh, you know, <laughs> kick in the backside to be like, yeah, get back into some meditative practice and mindfulness practice, because if it helps, if it helps save the brain and avoid the Alzheimer's that I've witnessed as, as a, as a, you know, grandkid, um, oof, uh, no fun for anyone. So anyway, uh, let's, let's wrap this thing up with a philosophical question as we always do. Um, only today's philosophical question is going to be, uh, hopefully, hopefully a little bit more fun, a little bit, maybe less philosophical, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, anybody who follows you on Twitter knows that you ask, a pretty, a pretty standard question most days. You know, what, what did you have for breakfast? And I'm not going to ask what you had for breakfast today, Nita. But my philosophical question for you, get you out of the door, is what is your ideal breakfast? Whether it's post-run, pre-run, not-run day, whatever. If, if, if Nita's sitting down to breakfast and the 100% good, hus- good husband is uh, preparing for you the optimal breakfast, what's on the, what's on the plate? What are, you, what are you having for your best breakfast? I'm having scrambled eggs with vegetables and cheddar cheese. Simple. All scrambled up in a terrible mess. So it's basically an omelet. It's like a failed omelet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Simple but effective. That's a good breakfast yeah. right there. And if they, if it were my dad cooking, it would be two eggs over easy over hash browns. And Ed has made some pretty good hash browns, but I kind of reserve that because my dad's long gone, and he special. that was his. He was a special. Yeah, he was a short order cook in college. Mm. He made him made it put him put himself through college. So so those are probably my two go to breakfasts. Um, on a regular day, I just have you know peanut butter on a uh, slice of bread or something like that with some coffee or something like that. If I'm not running, but but if I'm gonna go, I want a bunch of scrambled eggs with a bunch of stuff in them and some cheese. So. No arguments from me. No arguments from me there at all. So uh, y'all, if you enjoyed today's conversation, again the the book is Make Every Move a Meditation. Definitely worth a read. Probably one of those books that's worth a reread every so often. Just kind of refresh. Re- remind yourself, uh, at least for, for me, who has started, started and stopped a half dozen times on this whole meditation journey that I'm on. Um, and maybe continued on just not realizing it as much. I kind of feel like that's maybe part of the takeaway today, too. But uh, get, get yourself a copy. Make every move a meditation. Uh, Need something else to add? 
Yeah, the audiobook just came out, too. Audiobook. There you go. Yeah, that's, so you that's... can listen to it on the run. It may be the kind of thing where you want um, the uh, uh, the book because there are exercises in the book. There are, I don't know, 20, 23 exercises in the book. And if you go all the way to the end of the book, there's some freebies, too. I'm not sure that that's in the audiobook either because they tend to, you know, the back end stuff, the, um, right. they call it back matter. They don't put that in there, but yeah. But yeah, if you're more of an audio person, which you are listening to a podcast, so maybe more of an audio type of thing is your your jam. Check out the uh, the the Audible or the audio version of I'm assuming on Audible, maybe other places as well. Yeah, anywhere you can get an audio book. Anywhere audio books are available. So check it out. Make every movement a meditation. Again, NitaSweeney.com is the website at NitaSweeney on all the social medias. You won't find me on TikTok, but you'll find Nita there living living <laughs> her best her best TikTok life. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 1100 is the link for, back for the show notes today. We'll have links back to the first two episodes. Of course, we'll have links to the book, website, social medias, all those things as well. Dizruns.com slash 1100. Uh, with that, Nita, thanks for, for coming back. Thanks for, you know, congratulations on writing another book. Congratulations on a couple of ultras, four four halves in a row since the last time we, we chatted on, on this thing. Um, and who knows, you know, we, we've kind of, I guess we kind of got this, this every, you know, couple ish years routine going. So a couple ish years from now, uh, there'll be another book. There'll be, who knows what else, um, we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully do this again. But again, thanks for the time today and, and all the best to you going forward, milady. Thank you. Thanks so much, Denny. And good luck to everybody, whatever they're racing and running. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Nita and myself. And as per usual. Be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was your uh, takeaway du jour? Du jour. For me, it, it's it's all about the mindfulness and being mind being more mindful. Reminding myself to be more mindful during a run. And and before our conversation, this isn't necessarily the takeaway, but maybe it is. I don't know. Before before we talked, before I was looking through Nita's book, um, I was kind of thinking that that kind of the, the key to being mindfulness or to be more mindful during your run and, and making a movement meditation happen was going to kind of mean that like all or nothing, basically the whole run had to be a mindfulness exercise and just this, this moving meditation from start to finish. And uh, not going to lie, didn't like the idea. Wasn't a fan kind of like, well, gosh, I listen to podcasts during my runs. Like that's, I like that type of thing. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to be on board with the idea of, leaving the podcasts, leaving the headphones at home and just being out and cruising um, even once a week, let alone, you know, every single, every single time I head out the door and get my miles in. Um, and, and then, you know, kind of hearing need to talk about the idea of having different cues, you know, and being able to even be mindful when you're with other runners, you know, you can still have the conversations and carry on and enjoy the moments, but then in the lulls of the conversation, you know, check in with yourself. How am I feeling? How's the body? What's my breath? Whatever your, your cue might be. And uh, I guess the big takeaway for me was kind of like we talked about when we were getting into some of the nitty gritty and I brought up the idea of, of having your own specific cues. And for me, you know, like I said to Nita, um, the idea of, of checking in at the top of, you know, the handful of bigger ish hills that I have in my neighborhood route uh, has been, has been a game changer. And I'm not going to, you know, in the, in the couple weeks from the time we recorded this, to the time you're listening to it. I'm not going to pretend like I've been perfect, like every run at the top of every hill I've thought about checking in, but maybe half the time, maybe three quarters of the time. But, but the, the point being having that, that cue, that reminder for myself that every time I get to the top of these like four or five hills during the course of my run, which are the three kind of bigger or the four or five kind of bigger ones, um, one of them I hit twice. This is why I kind of 
didn't count it the second, whatever. Anyway, details. Um, but having those, those cues that are specific to my route is helpful. It, it reminds me again, not perfectly, but we're getting there. Work in progress reminds me to check in and, and maybe all I'm doing is just focusing on my breath for, you know, two or three footfalls. Maybe I am doing a quick scan. How's the, how are the legs feeling? How are the feet feeling? How is the breathing? Um, I've, I've done a few different options. I've gone a few different directions, but having that cue that's specific to me, it's, it's made a difference in the last couple of weeks. And hopefully going forward, it'll become even more of an ingrained habit. Something where I am checking in at the top of, of these Hills, every single run, instead of kind of here and there. But that's, that's my big takeaway is that I had always kind of thought, and from previous conversations with Nita as well, that this kind of had to be an all or nothing thing that I had to set out from step one to be mindful and be in a meditative, try to be in a meditative state of mind for the entire run. And, uh, thankfully now realize that that isn't necessarily the case and can still be beneficial. So that's, uh, that's potentially a game changer for me. And, and again, still early days, only been, you know, only a couple weeks between release date and conversation date. So this isn't, it's not a new habit. It's not set in stone just yet, but so far so good in terms of just checking in a couple few times a run. Hopefully it'll get back up to, you know, five or six pretty regularly because that's, that's my cue. That's my cue. And if, if, you know, getting into this kind of mindfulness and a little bit of checking in, how are you feeling during a run is, is something that you're working on doing. I would definitely encourage you to, to pick a few cues that are specific to your route. Maybe it's a couple of street intersections. Maybe it's the busy road that you have to cross where you always find yourself waiting at the stoplight. We'll use that as, as an opportunity, you know, whatever it is, don't be, don't be limited to just physical things. It could be whatever it could be. I don't know. I don't want to even put a bunch of parameters out there, like be creative, but make the cues specific to you. Just like I've done with these freaking hills in my neighborhood, which aren't really that bad. But again, there's a few of them that I, that get me and they remind me, check in. How are you feeling? It's been working. It's been working. So thanks to, to Nita for clarifying that for me, uh, and, and pointing that out and making it maybe the most obvious takeaway that we've had here in, uh, at least in a little while. I don't know. What about you? Maybe it was the same type of thing. Maybe something totally different one way or the other. If you're willing to share your takeaway from today, I would love to hear what stood out to you from today's episode. Let me know on Twitter. Let me know on Instagram. You know, I got the same handle in both places. It's just at Dizruns. Pretty easy to find. You can also shoot me an email, Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for today. Dizruns.com slash 1100. Dizruns.com slash 1100. Down there beneath the photos, beneath the links, beneath the write-up for today's episode, we got that comment section. Feel free to comment to your heart's content with takeaways or anything else from today's episode that you would like to share. I would like to hear it. And uh, if you find yourself thinking, you know what? Yeah, being mindful is good. Checking in with myself, making meditative you know, movements as part of my meditation practice. That's good. But you know what else I'd like? I'd like a coach. I'd like a running coach. Somebody just kind of help, help point me in the right direction, help keep my eyes on the prize, take the guesswork out of the training. You know a guy. I am a guy. Let's make this happen. If you're so inclined, disruns.com slash coaching is the link back to the coaching page today. Or if you're, you know, on the show notes, just, you know, right there on the top. Or if you're on your mobile device, you have to click that little button that gets all the drop down menus. You know, you know how it works. It's 2022. You know how to, you know how to navigate a website on your cell phone. Uh, but one way or the other is the coaching tab. Click that. That'll take you right there. Dizruns.com slash coaching. All the information, just general thoughts, 
basic info on each of the coaching tiers and feel free to click over to any of those individual uh, pages as well for a little bit more in-depth discussion of what is included at each level. If one of them sounds right for you, you can sign up right there on the webpage. Sign up, you click here to sign up. Uh, but if you have any questions, you can ask those as well. Before you sign up, of course, ask your questions before you sign up. Get clear on what you're getting yourself into. It's not a whole lot of fine print, but make sure you're clear. All the questions answered. And uh, we'd love to have the opportunity to work with you in the coming weeks, months, and potentially years, uh, helping you chase down whatever running goals you're working towards. So check it out, disruns.com slash coaching. And with that, let's go ahead and wrap this one up, shall we? Uh, Thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for taking Nita and I with you today. And until next time, y'all be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, right? Later, y'all.